Hello, Nathan. Hello, Trevor. How are you going? All right? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Good evening, everyone. And welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk About Movies podcast. And this week, we need to talk about 1980 comedy musical The Blues Brothers, starring John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. And it's a it's another listener's request today, Nathan. It is another listener's request, isn't it? Although, it's hard to decipher that because I'm sure that this would have been on your list of films to watch. Oh, yes, it was, yeah. And it was partly this, this, I must say, this film jumped the queue a bit, you know, because we have a backlog of people's requests. And this one, when it came in, I thought, oh, I do want to do that. But it was for that reason, but mostly for the reason that the email that accompanied it was just a, a, a prime example of what we want your emails to sound like when you send them to us, you know, it had everything. Uh, it came from Alan Day. I think it's Alan Day. It's Alan D on the email, but it's someone else called Alan Day comments on Facebook. So I'm assuming it's the same person. But um, yeah, he's sent in a really great email. It gives a bit of insight into his background of films. And I'll read it out later anyway. It's a really great email. So well done, Alan. That caught my attention. And it is a great film. I thought, let's just do The Blues Brothers. So sorry, everyone else. But... You'll get another chance in four episodes time, and it comes around quicker than you think, doesn't it, Nath? Yeah, well, yeah, yes, it does. Yeah, doesn't it just? Anyway, a couple of weeks ago, we reviewed a, a rubbish film. Yep. The Velocipasta, wasn't it, Oh, Nath? yes, we did, yeah. So, as we recorded this, that was the last podcast to go live, and we've had some feedback on that. Have, have we? Yeah. Uh, Kerry Lewis said, yes, we started watching this a little while back. Can't wait to hear what you guys made of it. Uh, and Joseph Westwood said, I love bad movies. Check out Sharknado if you haven't already. Seen them, Nath, the Sharknado films? No, my mum was, uh, when I was um, telling them about Velocipasta, my mum was showing me her Sharknado collection. Oh, she's, <laughs> she's got a collection of them, has she? Oh, God, yeah. Two-headed shark, three-headed shark, four-headed shark. Yeah, she's... All over that. She loves a, <laughs> loves a B-movie, my mum. Oh, wow. Um, maybe I should be doing a podcast with your mum. <laughs> she... Yeah. We'll have her on as a guest one night. Oh, my God. She'll <laughs> she'll love... Uh, I, I don't know. Like, uh, Is Velocipasta a step too far if you're a B-movie fan? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It um, is awful. Yeah. But, yeah, go on. S- Scorpio Kitty said, uh, just from the pictures alone, because I share like a thumbnail, yeah. uh, I can tell that I will never waste one single minute of my life watching this movie. But for the exact same reason, I cannot wait to listen to you boys butchering it on your podcast. Bring it on. <laughs> but then I said to her, the actual the pictures do the film justice. <laughs> they make the film look better than the film is. Um, to which she replied, oh my God. <laughs> um michael driggers has put are those ninjas is this about a preacher who morphs into a dinosaur and fights ninjas it sounds awful but i don't think i can rest until i've watched this movie <laughs> <laughs> so just a little bit of feedback on that if you do want to get in touch with us everyone anyway it's um wnmovietalk at gmail.com or go over to our facebook page facebook.com forward slash we need to talk about movies podcast very important that you have the podcast on the end because there's 
someone else called We Need to Talk About Movies. So, poor, poor design there for, on our behalf. Yeah, how rude. But there you go. Um, but yeah, uh, before we get on to Alan's recommendation of the Blues Brothers, Naif, have you watched any films this week? Did I tell you about the film I watched on... I did tell you about the film I watched on Netflix called Once, didn't I? You did once, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, Don't I tell us twice. I haven't... I haven't <laughs> oh, no, twice is another matter altogether. But, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, if that's... If I've already told you that, then I haven't watched any other films outside of that since. One film that I watched that... Me and Donna watched it, and it was one that you recommended. Yeah. Palm Springs. Right, yes. Yeah. And, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's good fun. Yeah, it was a fun film, though, wasn't it? Um, I was thinking, oh, it's like Groundhog Day, and was trying to get the kids in to sit down and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, they wasn't interested. As soon as we put it on, we're like, all oh, right, yeah, maybe they shouldn't watch this. <laughs> <laughs> I've made that mistake before. We had a family film night, and I um, downloaded a film called World's Greatest Dad with Robin Williams. Right, yes. And, yeah, we put on, and in the first two minutes, we are just jumping for the remote control to turn, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> but that film's well worth a, a view. Yeah, maybe that's one we should do, actually, at some point. Well, world's, world's Greatest Dad. Yeah, that's a great one. I'll put that on the list. Good. World's Greatest Dad. Okay. Um what you didn't tell me about that Palm Springs was that um, J.K. Simmons was in it. He's also brought back, isn't he? And he keeps chasing after him. Oh, trying, yeah. <laughs> trying to hunt him. I just think that's brilliant. It's and I, I just great. love J.K. Simmons anyway. He's just great. Especially like Spider-Man as the the the, oh, the, the yeah. editor of the newspaper, isn't that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that part was made for him. Don't they keep? Isn't he still the editor in the new ones? I think, isn't he? They've used oh, him again. I can't. T- I can't remember because he was that perfect for the role. When you used to watch the cartoons of Spider Man, yeah, it's like it was made for J.K. Simmons. <laughs> it's just great. I love that. I love that scene in Palm Springs where they decide to get completely fucked. It's just, oh yeah. my god! <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, you, that chap over there's got a load of pills in his pocket. And he's like, just walks up to him while he's doing his speech at the wedding. It's the groom. And he just nicks it out of his pocket while he's doing the speech. Got him! Because <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow they won't know. <laughs> oh, brilliant. But yeah, good film. Anyway. But anyway, that's Palm Springs. So, yeah, let's, let's just get into it, shall we? Blues oh, Brothers. Let's just get into it. I must admit that I have more notes tonight than I've ever had on any other film we've ever done. Okay. i got about six pages worth of notes. But don't let that put you off. Oh, Trev, it will never put me off. I know, I, I know, I know how this goes. Um, Love a little bit of trivia and a little bit of fact, don't I? Usually I only have like a page and a half. But yeah, the one, two, three, I don't know, four, five, five pages of notes. <laughs> only five pages of notes tonight. And one email. So let's read... Uh, Alan's email. Let's do it. Hey, gents, I thought I would surprise you and try out the email. It did surprise us. <laughs> when I was a lad back in the 70s, I used to go and spend a Sunday afternoon with my nan. We'd watch the afternoon matinee and then have tea. I would love watching the old black and white war films. I didn't mind the westerns either, and anything with Cary Grant was super cool. My nan used to love the musicals Fred and Ginger, Your King and I, etc. 
I love my nan, but not her taste in films. The only musical that ever had some redeeming quality was The Sound of Music, and that was because it had some mountains in it, and we all love a mountain or two. Anyway, I managed to steer clear of any film that was a musical as a matter of course until a good few years later. In the early 80s, myself and my good mate Dave decided to bunk off of high school. We popped up to his local video rental shop and hired a selection, taking advantage of the free movie deal. Probably something like Conan the Barbarian, Big Trouble in Little China, and The Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers. I was blown away. The Blues Brothers was a revelation. The music was fantastic. The slightly off acting performances by real musicians just added to the magic. Two underdogs against the system, Nazis and the police, with an epic car chase and a fabulous soundtrack. I think this 1980 John Landis film will give you guys something to get your teeth into. Belushi and Aykroyd and an amazing cast of music men and women is the stuff of legends. Plus you get a little bit of Carrie Fisher too. I'm sure there will be loads of stories around the making of it. A bit of a cult classic. Maybe it shows its age a bit now, but I think it's worth a watch. Keep up the good work. The podcast is top entertainment and I look forward to next Summit or Nothing adventure also. Cheers, Al. Well, that's a great email. That's it, isn't it? Brilliant. That's brilliant. That's what that's what we're after. What do these films mean to you? Where did it come from? You know, and uh, yeah, just brilliant. And um, the Blues Brothers, just a great... Out of all the films that we've watched so far, and re-watched, because we've seen most of them before, I enjoyed watching this more than any of the other films. I was absolutely... I was so... I was laughing, and I was just so happy watching it again. I was close to tears. You know, it's quite emotional watching it after all these years. It's just fantastic. I'm not a fanny or nothing. I just... <laughs> yeah, it's all right. You can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was. It was like, oh, it's just brilliant. I really, really enjoyed it. Mate, I I loved watching it, and it was nice watching it um, with my family as well, and listening to my dad and my sister chuckling away. Like, you know, it was it was really nice. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I watched it on my own. I would have liked to have watched it. I mean, I remember the last time I watched it, my son, he must have been like four, and he watched it with me, and he just thought it was brilliant. And then he'd watch it all the time. Um, but this time, I was like, oh, do you want to watch this? No. he's had no interest (laughs) so i think he's forgotten it forgotten what it is but yeah he used to love it and we always used to have the soundtrack in the car you know it's always i actually won a karaoke once singing we caught the katie by uh the blues brothers won a free holiday oh wow Oh, is that? Yeah, I remember you telling me the story (laughs) (laughs) yeah when i didn't have to do it because uh Oh, go on, do the karaoke, Trev. Do the karaoke and we win a free holiday. And I'd done the karaoke only to find out that as, as just as I was stood up in the queue, I really didn't want to do it. And just as I stood up in the queue to do it, they announced the winners of the pool competition and my son won it and he won a free holiday on the pool. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm here now. So we went on, went on and won anyway. So we didn't get two free holidays. It counted for the same thing. But there you go. So, Blues Brothers. Yes, it is. So, you've seen this before, Nath? Mustard. I have. I have. The first time I watched it, actually, I watched it. Um, yeah, no, I watched it with you. No way. Yeah. <laughs> I've never yeah, seen yeah. it before. Yeah. <laughs> How strange is that that you encouraged me to watch this? But yeah, no. Yeah. I watched it with you, and then um, I can remember sort of 
what I remember watching it again this time round is the church scene. Yeah, James Brown. And I remember, yeah, I remember watching that with you, and I was just like, "Fuck yeah!" Right, I get, I remember now, I get it. And I was fucking laughing and chuckling because it just that scene starts off fairly sort of normal and straight and by the end of it you got people bouncing off of trampolines and doing somersaults and backflips down the fucking <laughs> aisle and just it just goes absolutely nuts it's just fucking brilliant it's hilarious how it sort of transpires yeah. and nothing funnier than watching uh dan Aykroyd. it's all legs isn't he when he's he's hopping around i just love the way he dances in this film it's just hilarious yeah 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 with his little and, uh, his little quick toes in it yeah it's great that's how i danced to blues as well i remember me and donna went out well actually i've i must admit i've seen the live show of the blues brothers three times it's just a great night out and it's not obviously it's not them yeah but oh it's brilliant and we watched it in a theater the first time i think i was about 14 15 and one of my friends nans had tickets and the whole audience was just up dancing singing oh it's just amazing yeah yeah um so i've yeah i've seen it a couple of times since then but yeah, that's just how I dance. I'd like feel every beat, <laughs> all the beats in between the beats when I dance. <laughs> nah, mate. But yeah, I just uh, sort of watching that when, when that one scene come on, suddenly it all came flooding back to me. And I was just like, yeah, this is brilliant. And I just, oh, mate, that opening sequence with um, John Belushi where you're following him through the prison. Yeah. And you just, it's all the back of his head. You don't get to see the front of him. And it's just total silence. And it, it could be any film at that yeah. point yeah you know what i mean and it's it's the only calm point of the whole film i think yeah it's a real slow pace it's silent it's just all the sounds of walking and doors opening and shutting and yeah yeah it's great and at that point you're just like right okay this you, you got no idea although it sort of calls itself a comedy you got no idea that it's a comedy because it could be any straight-laced film <laughs> about uh, a convict getting released from prison yeah i think the first gag is where the uh, chap picks up uh, one used uh, one prophylactic one soiled <laughs> <laughs> picks it up on a pen- pencil i was going to ask you nath do you know who that that man is? No, I don't. He is Yoda. Fuck off. Or Fozzie Bear. Miss Piggy. Seriously? Yep, Frank Oz, his name is. He's also a film director. I think he directed um, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. He turns up in quite a few of John Landis's films. There's a few things that John Landis sort of has repeating in his films. That's one of them. Yeah. Uh, another thing is... a. Uh, you always hear the line or see or read everywhere in a John Landis film is see you next Wednesday. Right. Um, and in this, it's a poster for a film. The police are sort of sat by it when the blues brothers and the good old boys go racing past and they're sat by a big poster. It looks like a King Kong type of film called see you next Wednesday. So while we're on the John Landis, uh, topic, why don't you tell us about some of the other films that John Landis has done? Okay. John Landis has done um, he's done some great films in his early career, not not so good in later years. I've not really followed his career after, I think, Beverly Hills Cop 3, I think, was probably the last film of his I saw. Right. Um, which wasn't the greatest of the series. But he started off um, the Kentucky Fried movie. Right. Have you seen that from the makers of Airplane? And it's like loads of comedy sketches, basically. Don't think I have. Put into a film. Um, and then he'd done Animal House, 
starring John Belushi. Right. Uh, Coming to America. Yes, seen that. With Eddie Murphy. That's another one I didn't think that was that great. Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, that's a good Fantastic film. Fantastic film. But probably his most famous and probably my one of my favorite. This Blues Brothers is probably my favorite of his. But then, afterwards, I'd say American Wealth in London. Oh no way! Yeah, right. And in American Wealth in London, when they go to the porno theater, the porno that they're watching is called "See You Next Wednesday." Right. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it turns up, and he also directed uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller. Right. Okay. Video, which Michael Jackson got the idea after watching American, American Wealth in London. Yeah, yeah. Um. And you hear the line, see you next Wednesday, uttered. They go, what is it? It's a message scrawled in blood when he's sat in the cinema and they're watching the werewolf film. Yeah. What does it say? See you next Wednesday. But the saying, see you next Wednesday, he took it from a line of dialogue from 2001, A Space Odyssey, where um, Frank Poole is talking to his parents and then they, they hang up and say, see you next Wednesday. It's the last thing they say. There you go. <laughs> Hey, love a bit of fact and trivia. Don't How's we? that for some trivia? <laughs> Mate, he's had he's had quite the career, hasn't he? he in Landis. his early days, and he's brilliant to watch him um, interviewed. He's one of my favourite directors interviewed. He's just hilarious. He just seems to really enjoy everything, you know, and he's got this crazy way of looking at things. He's a bit manic. Um, and he used to be a stuntman as well. And he does, like in uh, American Wealth in London, he, he does a stunt. He gets crashed into by a car and then flung through a... Gl- plate glass window in Piccadilly Circus. Oh, no way. Yeah. But that's America World for London anyway. Let's get back to the Blues Bros. Do you remember when you used to ask me all the time if I'd seen American World in London? <laughs> Every time we go up on Dartmoor. Have <laughs> you ever seen American World in London, Nath? <laughs> do, do you know... I'm sure one day we will do it. Do you know the first time I watched American Werewolf in London? You was with me? I was with you, yeah. Isn't that weird? <laughs> <laughs> the first time I watched America, American Wealth in London, I was eight. And uh, it was Sorry. on the telly, and I had a telly in my room. Yeah. And I was recording it, and mum said, well, don't watch it. You know, we'll record it and make sure it's all right for you to watch. And I just thought, ah, I'll just, just stick it on in my bedroom. Just saw the beginning 10 minutes, fucking hell. I didn't sleep for weeks. I shat myself, mate. <laughs> <laughs> my mum hid the video, said, no, you're not watching that. And um, I found it, watched it. And it soon, by the time I was nine, I knew every line of that film off by art. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the Blues Brothers uh, started as sort of Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi both used to be on Saturday Night Live. And around the same time, they was chatting about blues and they was like, oh, we should start a blues band. And they started a band and they got like all the members of the Blues Brothers band you see in the film are pretty much the members of the Blues Brothers band that they uh, perform with. Yep. I think they had a, an album made up when they supported Steve Martin, whether he was doing like a comedy show and they was like the opening act yeah. and it became the highest grossing blues album of all time up to that point. And then they started doing bits on Saturday Night Live and the rest, as you say, is history. Wow. So, yeah, they, the Blues Brothers were like a pretty legitimate band. That's crazy. I never knew that. And then... Um, They'd sort of come up with this history about them. But Dan Aykroyd's like, I can write a script for this. And he wrote the screenplay 
324 pages of script. He just said he put everything into it. And then John Landis had to sort of distill it down to 120. So they had something that they could shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I'd, I'd had no idea that they were a proper legitimate band. But yeah, when you see them yeah. perform towards the end of the film, it's an awesome performance. And you just see the crowd going absolutely mental in, in the um, auditorium or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's brilliant. It's such, a, it's such a great scene, that. Love it. Yeah. There was so much energy in that in that scene. It was just fucking brilliant. It was alive, wasn't it? I know. I always think, oh, I wish I could watch the whole gig. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I watch it, they just do the three songs. And by the time they're like sneaking off halfway through uh, Sweet Home Chicago, I'm like, oh, don't end there. But um, yeah, I used to love that soundtrack. The soundtrack album used to be on all the time. And then another album that they listen to in the car when they're driving is uh, Sam and Dave, Greatest Hits. And that's another album I went out and bought off the back of this. And that's just fantastic from from end to end. Fantastic yeah. album as well. So making this sort of film, they're like, right, we got to try and get all these blue stars to agree to be in it. Yeah. And they was just coming off the back of disco. So blues had sort of faded away yeah and all these stars weren't really working so every time they phoned one Aretha franklin ray charles james brown you know they was all like straight in there yeah yes please we'd like to do that yeah yeah so they was like oh wow and they soon had this amazing cast of like blues performers who's off of the back of this film their careers were relaunched and they went on to just become bigger and bigger from then on yeah, man, James Brown, I love his, his scene in the church. It's just fucking brilliant when you see him getting down with it, when he's doing his little fucking dance, like, you know, oh, it's just fucking great. He's got some energy to him as well. And Aretha yeah. Franklin, she was fucking great in it as well. Oh, they, amazing. They all amazing, are, mate. Yeah. They all fucking are. When they started filming it, because they recorded all the audio, all the music first, and then they tried to cut, when they filmed it, they'd film it to the music. Yeah. Whereas... Aretha Franklin couldn't lip sync. Right. They filmed her scene was one of the early ones, but because she performed, every time she performs the song, she performs it completely different than she did the previous time. And a lot of the blues singers do the same. Yeah. So the James Brown scene, they filmed, they'd learnt, by the time they got to that, they'd learnt, and they filmed that live. Fucking hell. Or ju- not the whole scene. They filmed all the, the dancing and that to the music. Yeah. But then they filmed him live. Yeah. Recorded his, him live so that, they didn't have that trouble lip-syncing. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing they'd learnt by that point was the scene where they do uh, Shake a Tail Feather with uh, Ray Charles. Yeah. And they got all the dancers, like, all dancing out in the streets. But they was all amateurs, and John Landis said it was a nightmare trying to edit them and find good bits. So from then on, they used professional dancers. Whereas I think that's one of my favourite dances there, because it looks sort of haphazardous. It looks more spontaneous doesn't it yeah 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 unpolished like yeah, yeah I'm with you. i just love it i love that uh which leads me on i was going to ask you, you know, a few questions about blues brothers okay if you don't mind. yeah go for it i was not prior informed that there was going to be a test it's not a test i'm just going to ask you a couple of questions like um what's your favorite song in here what was your favorite dance sequence or song i think my favorite sequence uh, is where they perform everybody at the end yeah yeah that just the energy they've got up on stage when that's going but as far as a sort of dance sequence uh and everything goes for the whole scene it's got to be the church scene it's just chaos just (laughs) it's just absolutely brilliant i love like i said earlier how it starts 
with just nothing like this minister giving his sermon and then it just descends into this fucking bedlam. Like, you know, I, I, oh, it's brilliant, yeah, I it? love it. Just And then uh, the sun shines down, the, the light of God <laughs> lands on, on Elwood. No, on Jake. On Jake, yeah. Do you see the light? That- Elwood's like, what light? <laughs> well, Jake's glowing next to <laughs> yeah, that just, when, when, Before the sunlight comes down, when you look, there's that little close-up of Jake's face. You can just see his lip, his, his cheeks twitching and his face is just all tense and that. You're just like, what the fuck's going on? He looks like he's going to explode. And then he just starts backflipping down the uh, <laughs> down the aisle. Yeah, and then Brad Aykroyd's just fucking jiving all the way down and back up the fucking aisle with his little fast toes and then you get back up and then Jake's doing these fucking weird star jump type fucking things and just dies. Oh, yeah. Crazy. It's it's hard to think that Dan Aykroyd is the same person in this that was in Ghostbusters because he seems really tall and sleek in this, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Whereas in Ghostbusters, he's like the short dumpy one, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. But... I guess that's because he's next to John Belushi, isn't it? Yeah. He wrote Ghostbusters for him and John Belushi. Right. Um, And then John Belushi died. Yes. Yeah, he did. It was only a couple of years after this, wasn't it? It was 82. Yeah, it it might have been 82. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. The green ghost Slimer in Ghostbusters is based on John Belushi's character in Animal House. As a bit of a homage to it. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. In case you wondered. No, I was actually wondering that, yeah. It's just whilst you, when you said about Ghostbusters, I was like, oh, I wonder, I wonder who the character of Slimer was based on. Well, you've, you've answered that now. Well, there you go then. Yeah. Next time, I won't keep my wonderings to myself. I'll just vocalise them. Just vocalise them, yeah. If you've got anything you want to know, just ask, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be shy around me, Nathan. No. You know that. No, I never am. No, I, you know, just if you want to see me get my trivia out, just say, Trev, get your trivia out, mate. <laughs> oh, the, I'm all over that shit. That's the best thing about uh, being able to do this over the phone is that I don't know if you're just sat there with your trivia completely hanging out or not. <laughs> you know? Don't, have, don't yeah. have to look at it. I'm sort of flicking it from one side to the next half the time. hello hello mate (laughs) descending into some sort of smut there for a moment anyway come on mate so yeah so jake and elwood if people don't know the the plot of the blues brothers who are listening to this i always think we should discuss the plots of films because we just go in as if people know what we're going on about half the time i think do you want to do you want to give a brief lowdown of the plot shall we yeah we're at Three quarters of the way into our podcast, I'll give you a quick <laughs> synopsis. So, Jake and Elwood are the Blues Brothers. They were in a band. Jake has come out of Joliet Prison, done a bit of a stretch in prison. Elwood picks him up in a police car. Uh, they go and see the Penguin, who is a nun who used to look after them as children in the uh, orphanage. To find out that the orphanage is closing and Cab Calloway is their friend Curtis. He tells them that the orphanage is closing. Oh, no, the nun does, doesn't she? The penguin. Yeah. And they <clears> said, <throat> oh, we can get you £5,000. She's like, nope, we don't want stolen money. So they decide when they go to the church, Jake has the epiphany moment. He sees the light and he decides they got to get the band back together. And that's the film is them getting the band back together to raise the money for... The orphanage. There you go. 
the penguin scene is, oh my is God. fantastic, isn't it? The, that, that shot, right, my favourite shot of the whole film is looking up that stairwell. Yeah, with, like, Christ at the top. Yeah. And just, it's a cantered angle. It's brilliant, like, isn't it? Yeah, just yeah. On, a, on a... It looks like it's on a sort of quite a wide lens, doesn't it? Sort of yeah. giving it that weird perspective as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just fucking brilliant. And then when they go up and they sit in those little fucking school chairs and then they're scooching <laughs> them across the fucking floor to come closer, it's just fucking brilliant. And then uh, oh, just everything about that scene is fucking hilarious. It's where the film really takes off, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here. Um, you launch straight into the comedy. You've seen the car already. They've, you know, had a bit of an argument about the car because Jake's like, what, what the hell? You know, I've just got out of prison and you picked me up in a police car. <laughs> it's like, what happened to the old bluesmobile? And he's like, oh, I traded it. What, for this? No, for a microphone. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> yeah, so now you get here and then they're like sat in these chairs and the penguin lays the plot on the, the table. Yep. Uh, a bit of exposition. And Jake says, well... I said we can get you 5000 You said you don't want our stolen money, so I guess you're really up shit creek. And then she whacks him, and then El- Elwood's like, Jesus Christ, Jake. <laughs> she just starts slapping from one to the other, doesn't she, with a ruler, and they're like, can't stop swearing. It's just great. She snaps it over Jake's head, doesn't she? Or yeah, one yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Elwood, isn't yeah, she it? She snaps it fucking clean over penguin his... or something. And then she picks up a fucking, like, a cane as well, doesn't she? And then she starts beating John Belushi from side to side as he's trying to sort of rock himself out of the room on that little stool that he can barely fit onto. And then he collapses down the stairs in it, which looks fucking painful, if I'm honest, as well. But, yeah, oh, it's yeah. fucking brilliant. There's... Um... I just love all the fact that like when they're walking there, the door closes behind them and then they knock on the door and it opens and the penguin sat at the desk. <laughs> it's like, there's no one else there who's opened the door. <laughs> and it's like, she's got God with her the whole time or something. And she sees her off down the stairs and she's like disappointed with him. And then she just folds her arms and glides backwards. <laughs> <laughs> the door shuts. It's just fucking brilliant. Oh, the fucking scene where Elwood picks Jake up from the prison, when the prison gates open and there's that massive bright light behind him. It's yeah. just like, he's like a musician <laughs> coming on stage or something, isn't he? Like, you know, and he's just silhouetted there with his little hat on. Oh, mate, yeah. It is. It's just his little, his reveal, isn't it? Yeah. And as well, right, the fact that all the way through the film, you never see a single one of them's face without the sunglasses on. No, not until the very end, is it? Yeah, yeah. Just, just when he's uh, on his knees to Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> I just love her in the film. <laughs> uh, not Every time she blows him up, they never react to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they're covered in rubble and they just get up and they'll just say something matter of fact. Yeah, like, like it's totally normal. Like this shit's been <laughs> happening to them their whole life. <laughs> Oh. John Candy and uh, the police and they're going to knock down the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she blows the place up with a bomb and the whole building collapses. And then you just see him get out of the rubble and brush themselves off. And he's like, well, better get to work. It's, it's nine <laughs> o'clock. We need to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that was their alarm clock. Or something. <laughs> 
God. Oh, such a cool scene. Uh, just when they go back to his fucking pad the first time, you know, and you go in, there's that tiny little awkward room with the trains. It's like, oh, how often does the train go past? So often you won't even notice it. And it's just like the whole way through that scene. As he says that, like a sign falls off the wall. <laughs> Five plates off the wall. Yeah, I don't know if in your... Because when I used to have this on video... Right. Granted, it was recorded off a telly years and years ago, but it never had the scene where he goes to his work in it. Did you see a scene on your... When you watched this, did you see him go to his work and hand his notice in? No, I didn't. No, I didn't think it was. Because the the version I've got now must be like a a special edition with added scenes, because there's another scene where they park the car overnight he parks his car underneath a, like a big electrical um like tra- transistor yeah and that's how the car gets its power they don't say that but i saw john landis mention it and he said that was a scene that they cut out and then when i watched the dvd yeah that scene's in there yeah no i um, definitely didn't see that scene. and he cut it out originally and then dan Uck was like why did you cut that out you know that's why the car gets its power and he goes yeah but how the fuck are people going to know that? What are you going to go to the cinema every time that's on and stop the film? This is how the car gets its power. Like, you know, it's like, it doesn't lose, the film doesn't lose anything for this, yeah, for not yeah, having yeah. that scene in. Yeah. And also the other scene that I noticed that I could never remember, he goes to work, there's all these cans and it's basically the can that he steals that he pumps up the tires with later. Right. Was that scene in it? I don't think it was. He pumps up the tires of the police. He puts it in a police car. And then when they all go to take off, all their tires are exploded. No, no, I didn't see that. See, so there's two scenes there. One's at the beginning. He goes in, he steals a can. Later on, that comes into use. So they must have cut them both out. Yeah. But then he goes to his boss and he says, I'm, you know, I'm not working anymore. And he's like, oh, well, what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to become a priest. (laughs) (laughs) And then the boss is like, like looks really confused and he says really he goes well i wish you all the best he says, good bless you oh thank you very much <laughs> like, yeah i'm sure well, i was watching them and i was like i don't remember any of these scenes from like the version i mean i used to watch it religiously yeah because well they are on a mission from god aren't they aren't they just i just love it, that line he just pipes up with that all the time and yeah. we're on a mission from god <laughs> They're totally sold on it after going to church, aren't they? Yeah, I love it. I mean, Carrie Fisher, anyway, was talking about her. Yeah. Uh, her and John Belushi used to be really, really close friends. Right. And they was both fucking off their heads, you know. I think they was both wild child, you know. Yeah. Sex and drugs and rock and roll. Is good you know. for the soul? I think it was bad for the soul. And I think there was times on this production where John Landers was just pulling his hair out because he, uh, he couldn't get John Belushi to work and then John Belushi would like vanish for days and <laughs> right yeah yeah Probably. I can imagine he was a bit difficult I have read a book all about it called um Wired all about John Belushi's life leading up to his death really yeah it's quite an eye-opener uh, and there was a film of it as well but I remember the film wasn't actually all that good didn't do the book justice is that all right yeah yeah it is the music in this film I mean it, it after the scene from the prison, it's just wall-to-wall music, really, isn't it? Yeah, man. It is a, a great soundtrack. I love that. Um, I think it's where they're going to uh, Elwood's, like, bedsit, the, the bass line. 
I can't remember. Oh, Peter, the Peter Gunn theme. Yes, that's it. The Peter dun, Gunn dun, theme. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah, that's great, and it? it's cool, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it suits the film and the scene so well. You know, every 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 piece of music in this film suits it so well. You know, it's such a nice yeah. collaboration of bits and pieces that sort of make it what it is. The Peter Gunn theme. I always remember that from when I was a child. On had a Commodore sixty four, and it used to be the theme tune to Spy Hunter. Right which was like a race car game and you had to shoot other cars and knock them off the roads and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was the tune that just played through that. But um, basically, they're on a mission from God now, aren't they, Nathan? And they got to go and get the band back together. Yes, they have. And the first ba- members of the band they go and find is Murph and the Magic Tones, playing real cheesy sort of... Yeah, um, like lounge music type stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In horrible, like, suits and... Oh, mate. You can see Murph is a bit reluctant to go in, but the others are like, no, we should fucking do this. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back with the band. Uh, Murph, Murph, he just reminds me of Paul Rudd. Right, yeah, Watching yeah. this. I just keep thinking he looks like a... But it could be Paul Rudd's dad. <laughs> I know it's not. But, um, but like the highlight, the best of the scenes when they're getting people back. Well, then it, the best one is when they go to get um, Mad Guitar Murphy. At the uh, at the diner, the diner. Yeah. But first of all, they go to the restaurant scene. Yes, that's just classic. <laughs> when John Belushi's turning around asking Matey Boy how much for his women, that's just fire. Oh, just brilliant. Because the, the, their mate is the maitre d there, isn't he? And yeah, Mister Fabulous, and the bloke calls him like, "Excuse me, sir, can we move to another table? Those men are offensive." He goes, "Oh, have they been talking to you?" No, no, they smell offensive. <laughs> and I think at some point in the film, like uh, John Belushi mentions that he's been in the same, or someone says he's been wearing the same suit for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, they're throwing food and slurping wine, just <laughs> waving with his mouth open, like food hanging out of his face. It's just it's carnage. But um, surely you'd just kick him out. Yeah, but I guess. I guess he can't. I don't know. I mean, they wouldn't go willingly, even if he tried. I guess that's what. I guess that's what the decision he came to. It would be less of a scene to let him continue than it would be to try and throw him out, like you know. Yeah. Um, uh, but one of the extras in this scene, Nath, yeah. went on to become someone. Did you notice him? No. Go on. He was the waiter in like the yellow jacket. Comes over, and takes their order. Right. Uh, Pee Wee Herman. No way. Paul Rubens, yeah, Pee Wee Herman in there. Mate, you are full of facts and trivia tonight, oh, aren't you? She's got loads of trivs, loads of trivs. It's like, um, almost like you've got five pages of notes in front of you. I know, you haven't said a lot. <laughs> I could have done this one on my own, do you want to... <laughs> <laughs> shall I, yeah, shall I just fuck off and come back at the end? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Nate. I'm sorry. Is there anything no, you'd like to add? <laughs> no, mate, don't don't apologise, man. This Honestly, when we do these podcasts, like... Sometimes, you know, I feel like uh, I'm properly engaged in it. But I know the, before we even watched the Blues Brothers, I know how passionate you are about this film. And I knew it was going to go this way. And I'm in no way bothered by it. I'm happy to sit here and listen to the facts and the trivia that you've got on it. Yeah, Mate, I, I enjoy the film and I love the film. And I know that if I ask you a question like John Landis and what he's done, I know you're going to have the answer right there in front of you. I know you don't even have to look it up. So, yeah, you just keep firing away, mate. Okay. Do not panic. <laughs> so, we've met the band now. Basically, he's got all the band back. Yeah. And then they meet the Nazis, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, they do. All the way through this film, they're just collecting people that are chasing them, basically, aren't they? Yeah. Um, oh, we missed a major scene. Which one? The shopping mall. Oh, my God, the shopping mall. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that is just chaos, isn't it? It's brilliant. It's just brilliant. This film, I mean... I my mate Carl, I used to say to him all the time, you ever seen Blues Brothers? Nah, I hate musicals. And it used to drive me nuts. And he's never watched it and he will never watch it. Oh. Because it's a musical. And I just think you are missing it. Like Alan says, he doesn't watch musicals, but the Blues Brothers just is something else. And yeah, all the car chases and that. This film was a massive undertaking. Yeah, I remember like getting towards the end of it when I watched it um, on Saturday. And I was like, how many fucking cars have they trashed in this film? <laughs> the list must be endless. It just seems like like every car scene, at least 50 cars, gets smashed the fuck out of. Oh, he just went bigger and better, didn't he? You know, and it's... The thing, there's a bit of history with John Landis as well. he done the Twilight Zone, the movie. They, a lot, like, it was three or four different directors all done some. Spielberg done a bit. Yeah. Uh, Joe Dante... And John Landis done a bit. And it was about, his film was about a racist bigot, basically, who was cast back into time and had to, like, face all his, like, racism and from the other side. So he was the one who was, like, the victim of racism. Um, and one of the sequences in that film was a scene where he's in Vietnam. Yeah. And John Landis directs this scene and there's this massive, uh, sort of explosion, all these explosions going on and that. And John Landis just, he's made the Blues Brothers and it's big and it's excessive. And he's the same with this. He's like, I want this explosion bigger, better, you know? And what happened is the actor, Vic Morrow, was carrying two sort of, I think they were Filipino children and he's like running with them. And there's an explosion behind and as a helicopter's chasing him. Yeah. But this explosion knocked the helicopter out of the sky and it crashed into Vic Morrow and the two children, killed them all instantly. It was a massive, like, tragedy on the set of this film. Fuck. Yeah, whether that sort of reined in his, what he was willing to do, because I think he went through, like, a court case and that for that. He was never prosecuted, but it was a real, yeah, a real sad moment in his career. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's strange. Fuck. Uh, Vic Morrow actually had a premonition Years before, he had to be in a scene with a helicopter and he had a premonition and he, he refused to do the scene. No way. And, yeah, years later, this happened. That's, that, isn't that weird. weird? Yeah. Fuck. Well, I mean, you know, you can see from the Blues Brothers his need for excess yeah. as far as the excitement and the action is concerned because that the final car chase in this, oh, my God, it is epic. By every proportion. <laughs> I think it, it broke just... record. It was like the most f- cars trashed in a film. It was only beaten a couple of years later when they made Gone in 60 Seconds, the original version. Yeah. Um, but yeah, up until that point, it was the most cars crashed in a film. And it is, it's pretty awesome. And I mean, the, the he's filming these cars and they are actually driving at over 100 miles an hour through Chicago. Just, oh, mate, honestly, there's just fucking... Going back to the mall scene for a minute. Yeah. When they're just driving through that mall and people are running everywhere and they're just smashing into all the shops and it's just <laughs> chaos and carnage. And then you cut back inside the car and they're like, oh, 
There's so and so and so and so. There's a lot of space in here. Oh, they're, they're just everything they do is so cool and matter of fact. It's yeah, just... they're not bothered or excited by anything. They're like, oh, JC Penney's has got to say a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, I just love the intro to that scene, and they're like going around the parking lot. And this ba- this shopping mall basically was a, a a mall that had been shut down for like a year or two, so it's completely empty. Yeah, yeah. And I think they found this mall, and it's like designed the scene around it. But they had to fill the car park, so all the cars in that car park were all brand new cars that they'd borrowed or rented just to park in the car park. So when they're doing these chases around the cars, like John Landis is like, "Do not." crash into any cars (laughs) but i love it where they're driving and john belushi's like i want to get out of this car park and he's like you want out of the car park and then it cuts into the mall yeah and the bloke picks up one of the it's got a muppet in his hand isn't he yeah yeah, miss piggy and then just smash (laughs) (laughs) but they they stocked all these shops and all this merchandise was like sort of whatever they didn't damage they gave back yeah, yeah. So it's only the damaged stuff that they paid for. So they have areas that weren't going to get damaged and areas that were. Yeah. So they could keep a track of it. But they had to hire security guards to keep an eye on the premises so no one stole yeah. any of the merchandise. But then they realised that merchandise was going missing and it turned out it was the security guards stealing the merchandise. <laughs> so they had to hire security guards to keep an eye on the security guards. That's just fucking nuts. <laughs> It was a cool scene, though. It's just, you know, and the thing is, is that that's a big, you know, when you're watching it, you're like, that's quite a big car chase scene, you know, <laughs> and it's quite a big budget scene for yeah. the film. And then uh, later on, you're like, oh, my God, that was such a small scene. You yeah, know? exactly. It pales in significance to what's coming, isn't it? It's like that yeah. whole, that end scene is like 15 minutes, isn't it? Or just oh 15 God. minutes of chase. It's brilliant. When you see, you see him in the car in the tunnel and Dan Aykroyd's like, well, we've got 105 miles or something to go to, to wherever we're going. Yeah. we got a full tank of gas and half a pack of cigarettes. And we're wearing sunglasses. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we're wearing sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> Just how many police cars are just following them? And when they're in Chicago, and like I say, he's these cars are driving at 100 miles an hour, and John Landis is filming it thinking, people aren't going to believe that these cars, they're going to think I've sped this up. Yeah. So that's why he, then he dots the streets with pedestrians yeah, yeah, yeah. so that there's something in the foreground to show how fast they're doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. The scene where they, they crash and all... all under the uh, bridge like and all the cars are crashing and then all the police get out and they're all just shooting up the road <laughs> behind them it's just it's just chaos the whole thing isn't it because uh dan Aykroyd's like or um elwood's like i need to pull over and then he just fucking he pulls off the motorway down that embankment doesn't he and then all the other police cars go yeah. down there just <laughs> oh my god they're just piling into each other and you're just like fuck you know this is just cost for cost's sake and uh <laughs> It looks brilliant, don't get me wrong. And then um, John Candy's like, he's, they smash into a fucking... Oh, yeah, they go up the bank and then into the side of a truck. Yeah, they? and man, that must have been... that. When you watch it, it's close to that truck tipping over when the impact hits, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the back yeah. wheels come off the ground a bit. And then uh, John Candy's like, uh, can I just borrow the radio a minute? What's he says into the radio? Something just like, oh, this is... Car. Hi, this is car 55. We're in a truck. 
<laughs> but then like, you think they've got away from a load of it and then when they, is it Chicago they're going to it is isn't it yeah yeah and then when they get into Chicago like there's loads of Chicago police and it's not just cars it's boats and everything isn't it like you know and then oh uh, yeah mounted and then police the, officers the SWAT team and <laughs> oh, the, the army the SWAT in. team the SWAT team <laughs> oh mate it's just fucking it is great brilliant yeah oh dear um i know we've missed loads talking about the end but while we're on the subject to the end when they finally get into the building and they're blocking all the doors and they go up and it, the chaps away for lunch yeah uh and he turns up and he's got his sandwich in his hand do you know who that is naif no go on steven spielberg fuck off no straight up cameo from spielberg eh? yeah mate Oh, it's just, oh, that scene is just, you never want, you don't want it to end when you're watching it, do you? It's just fucking great. Yeah. Just. Another uh, John Landis trait as well that often appears in his films, the handcuffs get put on them and then they turn around and there's just hundreds of guns, thousands of guns all pointing at them, isn't it? Yeah, there? yeah, yeah. Um, and that's something he does in a lot of his films as well. I think there's a shot like that in Trading Places. Yeah. Uh, then the shot like that in American World in London, where he ends up down the alley, and there's all like the all the police aiming the guns at him there. Yeah, yeah. Just something he always has his his main protagonists end up <laughs> with like more guns than you'd like pointed at your head. <laughs> it's just it's brilliant how massively out of proportion it is <laughs> for these two guys that just like Dan Aykroyd sped off. Because he wouldn't get arrested because his license had been revoked. And yeah. then it just, it just like gets massively out of hand to the point where you've got the National Guard, the SWAT team, the fucking, the whole of the Chicago police force just fucking there chasing them down the, into the this Nazis. one building. And the Nazis, yeah. And all, all they're trying to do, right, is give £5,000 that they've earned in earnest, right, <laughs> to save a fucking orphanage. It's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Uh, the the Nazis are called the American Socialist White People Party, which is an acronym for Arsewipe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, mate. There's it's no two ways around it. The Blues Brothers is a bit of a masterpiece. Oh, it? it is a masterpiece, yeah. It's, it's faultless. It's just crazy. It's... Oh, it's just crazy, yeah. Um, I think the, everyone in it is like like Alan said in his email, you know, a lot of the musicians, they're not actors, but it's just great that they're giving it a go and yeah, you don't mind that they're not actors. And I mean, even like this, the scene where they go into Ray Charles's shop and they're all testing uh, all the gear. This time I noticed something that I've never noticed before because um, – this is, this is after the Aretha Franklin scene, isn't it? Where they go in and yeah. he says, oh, I just want four fried chickens and a Coke. Jake! Um, uh, white bread, toasted, nothing on it. Elwood! <laughs> so you realise he's got this thing with bread because earlier on, it, it, when he takes Jake back to his house and he's toasting the bread on that little griddle, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. But then when they go into um, Ray Charles's shop, there's this little silver box and Elwood opens it up. And then you see him take out a slice of bread from his inside pocket and put it in this box. <laughs> it's like it's like a toaster in the shop. <laughs> and I've never ever noticed that before until this time. And I, I'd be rolling. 
mate. I got to be honest as well. Cab Cab Calloway's scene where he's singing um, Minnie the Moocher. Minnie the Moocher. Yeah, oh, he's fucking brilliant, isn't he? Yeah, that's such an awesome performance. He yeah. just looks so cool in that white suit when everyone transforms into that fucking <laughs> that stage scene. And then like they flip back again, and there's just no explanation for it. It's, oh, it well, I think they fell into like a, a vortex into another dimension. Yeah, in that bit, but they uh, deleted the bit where they talked about it and explained it. I think. Right. <laughs> no, I don't think they did. Yeah, Cab Calloway. I've got another story about Cab Calloway because oh, uh, he's really good in this film. But like I said earlier, they recorded all the audio first. Yeah all the music and cab calloway turned up to record mini the moocher and john landis oh, right yeah i want you to sing it like you did in the old days you know yeah the very first recording and cab calloway's like no no let's do it like a disco track he's like no no we don't want a disco track we want it you know classic blues yeah and cab calloway was like well it's gonna make me sound old why do you want all that old shit you know this is this is the eighties, or this is you know the, the end of the seventies. Yeah. So they had a bit of an argument, and then he's like, "No, I want you to do it." And then Cab Calloway went and recorded it how John Landis wanted it, and then he's like, "How was that?" And John Landis was like said he didn't really put his heart into it, and he's like, "Well, you're Cab Calloway, and you're great, but that wasn't great." You know, you can do great. And he's like, Cab Calloway got his back up. He's like, oh, you want me to do it? Great. Okay, let's do it. I'll do it great. And then they recorded it again. And he's like, how was that? And John Landis was like, that was great. And he's like, good. And then he stormed out. <laughs> and he thought, oh, shit, I've upset him. But he said by the time he came back to filming, he was like a different person. And it was all water under the bridge. And he had a, yeah. an amazing time. And Oh, mate, just seeing him on that stage do it with his hair falling about the place and his fucking vocal like i mean i'm guessing and the way he crouches over and sort of jutters along and ah it's it's cool yeah man he's one of the fucking coolest men isn't he (laughs) fucking brilliant (laughs) that was that was one of my favorite performances musically in the whole yeah i think i think my favorite is fink aretha franklin yeah or all the ray charles bit in like those two were always my highlight i think yeah but i love the sort of the haphazardness of the Ray Charles scene, as I was saying, just all these amateurs out on the street dancing, just all break into dance when he starts playing on the organ. Do, 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 do. And it's like, he's a real hustler, his character, isn't he? And they're like, 2,000 bucks yeah. for this? And he goes, I'll tell you what I do, I'll throw in the black keys for free. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a cool, and then they're cool like, line. There's not much action left in this keyboard. Oh, I'll show you action. And then he starts playing. It's just great. Yeah. And they're just peeling like bits of it off, ripping it to bits while he's playing it, tearing bits off of it. And that little boy at the back of the thing comes in and he just puts his hand up to steal the guitar. <laughs> and Ray Charles shoots the wall around the guitar and like blind. It's but, a film that you need to watch several times to fully appreciate it. Well, more than several times. Oh, it just, you know, you just, there's so many little bits in it that you get. And it happens so quickly that you're still laughing from something else or still finding the amusement in something else. And you miss <laughs> the next thing that happens. Like, you know, it's oh, it is great. Brilliant. But yeah, um, yeah and I do love the Aretha Franklin scene and I just love Jake and Elwood when they sort of pipe up and dance in that scene as well to the chorus and they're like doing that yeah, sweeping yeah. motion with their hands in the air. <laughs> <laughs> just so cool. And then they just slouch back in their seats. And I think that's my favourite version of Aretha Franklin singing that song as well. 
I just love it. Yeah, yeah. I just, they look so fucking cool in their suits and hats. Like people all the way through the film are hounding them about wearing the same old suits and having the same old look. But it's such a fucking cool look. Yeah. Everything they do is like the way they behave. Everything they do is so cool. They are just. They are cool, cool. but they're grubby as well, aren't they? They don't look clean, do they? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> Those suits do look lived in. And the scene with the good old boys where they're playing all the old country songs. <laughs> <laughs> just, and just the whole scene is just bottles being thrown at them in this oh, in this dive of a redneck club, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like, they got the chicken wire up to protect them. And <laughs> it's just a real, yeah, sort of place you wouldn't want to drink in. <laughs> Unless you was a proper redneck yourself. Oh yeah, it? well I don't know. Maybe maybe it's me. I was I looked at it and I was like, oh yeah, I, I could quite enjoy fucking going <laughs> and drinking something that looks like that inside and having some live music. But they do but, the raw high theme, and he's got the the bull whip at the end, and he just stands motionless, doesn't he? While Elwood's doing the singing, and he's like, give him up, head him up, come on, <laughs> but hardly moving. Yeah. Shows no emotion. Yeah, he's got no attachment to that at all, has he? It's just like, this, is, this isn't no. what I want to be doing. The good old Blues Brother boys. <laughs> I mean, they're just stringing the band along, but they do sort them out in the end. They get the money. They do sort them out in the end, but no one knows how they're going to get paid or if they're going to get paid. Yeah, but it's cool. It's like a wild ride. And, then you know, it's nice that the guys are like, they've got faith in the Blues Brothers, you know? They've got this blind faith in it. To a point. Reluctantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just sort of, it's cool that they pull it all together. And then at the end, it's so satisfying because of the doubts in the film leading up to, uh, you know, are we going to be successful? Is this going to take off? Are we going to get a big gig? Are we wasting our time? And then that final gig that they play is just fucking epic. I mean, that, even that gig is, look how many extras were in that hall. Yeah. And you think, I've been on a film set and it's, between setups you don't have all these cameras there rolling filming everything yeah. each shot is a takes like half an hour to an hour to set up and get the light in and then they have a run through and what it must have been like for them that crowd there and i know they they said they sort of had djs on in between to keep the audience all in their seats yeah. and they was doing competitions and giving gifts and prizes away and stuff to make it a bit fun for them because filming is a lot of sitting around and those seats, they're not that comfortable, are they? If you're in a cinema for too long, you start to get a dead ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the whole film is like, it just gets bigger and bigger as it goes. Oh, it? mate, I was watching it again tonight. And literally when I woke up, I woke up at the the uh, big gig scene. And then yeah. I was like, fuck, have I missed so much? And then sort of when I used the remote to see how far I was like, Oh my God, how have we still got so much of this film left to go? You feel like that should be the end of the film. You know what I mean? And then, but it's not, it's like, yeah, it's like the end sort of third of the film is car chasing. It just and, gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's just fucking great. Uh, I love the, like the car just does all these amazing things. <laughs> <laughs> like when it almost flies off the bridge when the Nazis are chasing them and then it reverses and just flips over, <laughs> yeah. jumps over the top of them and then they fly off this bridge and that effect, they've just basically, they've dropped that car from a, from a helicopter <laughs> yeah. and just taken it up that high and then just filmed it dropping. It's just, oh, brilliant. It's, yeah. It's just, there's, ridiculousness in this film that just fucking makes it, isn't it? <laughs> but the sad thing was i was watching the, this film i watched the film then i watched the documentary and it was filmed the documentary that i watched 
was filmed at the time they just made the second one and you can tell it's they've redone this for this re-release of blues brothers to coincide with the blues brothers 2000 yeah and they just whenever john landis is talking about the blues brothers he's referring as the first one the first one we've done this the first one and it's like i wish it wasn't the first one i wish it just was the blues brothers the blues brothers i think from what i saw of the second one it just it just detracts from the greatness of this film you know it's something that didn't need to be brought back up yeah there's a lot of films out there people would love a sequel to and you just think nah don't don't do a sequel yeah and the blues brothers is one of those especially as john belushi was no longer. I mean, I, I, as much as I love John Goodman, he's no replacement to John Belushi. No, no. And then they have kids in it as well, going around with them in the suits. And, oh, j- Jesus. It's just like George Lucas doing the prequels of Star Wars and having Jar Jar Binks and a little boy, you know, as your leads. It's like, oh, God. You're just ruining this film. Yeah. Taking it in the direction that you'd really... We don't want to see it in that direction. No, man. Sometimes things are perfect left just as they are, aren't they? Oh. You know? Aren't they? I mean, not every sequel can be Terminator 2, can it? No. Very rarely every sequel is Terminator 2, isn't it? But anyway, Blues Brothers. I I think we've about covered everything, Nath. We've just five and a half pages ticked off, I feel. Mate, <laughs> that, was, that felt... That felt like a good podcast. I hope so. I hope it's not too much of me just uh, salivating and lactating, (laughs) (laughs) ejaculating over the... Well, fortunately, you being sat there with your trivia out the whole time won't come (laughs) off on audio. It might. (laughs) But yeah, Alan, thanks ever so much for your email. Uh, So anyone else who wants to recommend a film, please don't... hesitate to email us wnmovietalk at gmail.com or comment on the pinned post on our Facebook page. We need to talk about movies podcast at Facebook, but we'd prefer an email. That was great. Wasn't it? Yeah, mate, that was brilliant. It's like you said, it's just perfect because it's got the history in it. It's got everything, the background of why you enjoyed a film, how you found it and um, sort of how you felt about it. Yeah, it's, just, yeah, it's great. That's the sort of... That's it, because pa- that's what film is for people, isn't it? Film and music is it's personal to you, isn't it? It always takes you back to certain times. There's certain films and certain songs that just take you back. Yeah, that's it. It's nostalgia, isn't it? So, yeah, it's good, man. Yeah. So, Nathan. Trevor. Thanks ever so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, bro. No worries. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will see you all again next week when it's my choice. So, ooh, I wonder what I would choose. Take care, everyone. And chase. Chase.